Good morning, Origins. Uh, we just wanted to say welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm not going to take a lot of your time because our band got together this week and they have prepared some worship. So um, I'm going to pray and we're going to go right into worshiping through song. Again, we're glad you're here. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you that Sundays are still unique in the midst of just uncertainty, God. We still can gather together even while we're apart and worship you. Um, God, I pray that as we, as we lift our voices, we think about what we're saying, we think about what we're singing, and God, that it would be a, a sweet offering to you. Thank you for being worthy of our worship. Thank you for being worthy of our praise. Thank you for being worthy of our lives. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Emergence families, good morning. It's so nice to be in your house this morning and be able to share Jesus with the kiddos. Um, I've missed you guys, and it's been really nice to be able to catch up with you on text and see pictures of the kids. Please keep sending them to me. Um, I love seeing them, and I love sharing them on Instagram. So this week, we planted a garden, and you know, there's a process of planting the seeds and watering it and being patient and watching it grow and watching it multiply. And it made me think of this devotional that we've done together um, with my kids. And it's from this book, my little book of Dear God Letters. Do you really see everything? And the devotional says, we'll plant the seeds. Will you do the rest? So listen, you have a special part in God's world. He created you with the ability to help others. You that means you, Liza. That means you, Ruby, and Hayes, and Cash, and Jude, and Lucia, and Colby. They cre he created you to do those things. And when you do it, it makes God really, really happy. So when you help mom with the dishes, that makes God really happy. But who else does it make happy? Mom. And when you help dad pull weeds or mow the grass, that makes God really happy. But who else does it make happy? Dad. And when maybe you have a friend that might not be feeling good and you send them a card or shoot them a video and say hi to them, doesn't that make Jesus really pleased? But it also makes that friend really pleased too. And what happens is it's like um, it says it's like planting little seeds of kindness that sprout and grow. So when we are like that and we show kindness to others, it makes them want to show kindness to others and it grows. It spreads and that person might want to do something nice for somebody else. So um, it also says sometimes it's hard to do the right thing, um, but God is always there to help you. So right now, we are kind of in a, a new phase of life right now, but it's not going to last forever. Um, this too shall pass, and but right now, it's it might be hard to get up and stop playing video games and go help mom, or get up and stop playing, you know, stop playing with your toys and and go do something kind for somebody. But I encourage you to do that because what you're doing is you're pleasing God and you're gonna put a smile on somebody's face. And that is what we need right now. So thank you all for listening to my Bible um, story. I um, pray that you guys are well and um, I love you and I miss you. Um, moms and dads, I also wanted to share our Facebook page with you all. I, uh, it's a private group, but please ask me to be invited and I'll invite you because it has all the activities and the Bible stories and worship songs on there. I want you all to be able to share in those every Sunday morning with us and throughout the week if you want to worship a little bit, the kids. Um, I know my kids like to sing and dance every once in a while throughout the week to those songs that are familiar to them. And then also our Instagram page, um, it's where I share a lot of information and pictures and things going on. So please um, get us on social media. I want to be able to share what's going on with you all. I miss you. Love you. We'll see you soon. Bye. Glad you guys joined us again this Sunday. Um, it has been, it seems like it's only been a few weeks that we've been apart, but it's been many. I was looking at the calendar this week and I'm shocked at how long we've actually been apart and it does. It makes us long uh, for the day in which we can be back together. But at the same time, and we're going to talk about this today, I think that we also need to think about the unique opportunities that we have 
because of what we're going through, because of the uniqueness of this situation, um, and because of just uh, where people are and how they're thinking, um, I do think it would be wise for us to think just on the one word today of opportunity. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, but I wanted to get us caught up as to where we are before we, we start reading text Acts kicks off with Jesus ascending, uh, just like we finished a couple weeks ago with Easter. Jesus had risen from the dead. He had been with the disciples and amongst them for about 40 days after he rose from the dead. And then uh, he ascended and he went back to where he should rightfully be. And, and so we find the disciples, uh, the 11 remaining, plus about another 110 or so, there are about 120 all in total, standing as Jesus uh, goes back to heaven. And he leaves them with the mission. He leaves them with the Great Commission. He says, I want you to go now, therefore, and make disciples. Um, and also there are some angels there and they, they say some fun stuff. They're like, if this freaks you out the way that he's leaving, just wait until he comes back. It's going to be amazing. And then the disciples, they go and they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Because up until now, the Holy Spirit had just basically been on people uh, temporarily or, or just based on circumstance. But now, as Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit was going to come and live inside of those uh, who were following Jesus, committed their lives to following Jesus, and had believed in the power of his death and his resurrection. And so they went and they waited. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and began to dwell inside of them. And then we see that they go into what we call Pentecost. Peter preaches a sermon without illustrations, without jokes. It's just a history lesson. And people come and they repent. That day it says that around 3,000 men uh, confessed and repented and became followers of Christ. So we go from around 120 to plus 3,000, and then we see all of these believers going into and living in family in Acts chapter 2. We see that beautiful illustration of what it looks like to be family, having all things in common and being together, um, and just this great idea of what it looks like to be family because they have one dad, one savior, and one spirit that is indwelling in them all. And then today, in Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be, uh, we find Peter and John in chapter 3, and they are just simply going to the temple to pray. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in and read this text. Uh, we're going to read a little bit of chapter 3 and most of all of chapter 4. And, and I think the goal of this today is just to think about this word of opportunity. Um, we are in just a very unique time, a time that has been... Uh, chaos to fear to unknown, um, but people's hearts and people's minds are in a very unique place, and I think we have great opportunity here. And so let's think about that well today. But let's pray before we read. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for loving us enough to leave us with your word, so that we can uh, come to know you, get to know you, know you better, so that we can serve you deeper. Um, and so, Father, that we can actually even know who we are in response to you. God, I pray as we speak of your word today and as we read it, that we look at it well, that we do not add anything or take anything away. And I, God, I pray that you speak to us. I pray that you speak to your people, uh, direct us as to what to do and how to think and who to be. We love you. We thank you for your word. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 3, verse 1, just going to read through part of this story. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So he was a, a crippled man who would be brought to the gate every day just to ask for money. He was a beggar. So Peter and John, about to go into the temple, uh, he asked to receive alms. 
And Peter directed his gaze at him, or looked at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, or get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them to the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. And so we have Peter and John, they were going just to pray, and there was a, a blind, there was a crippled uh, guy there who had been laid there every day for a long time to the point that people recognized him. We'll read later that he was 40 years old. He's as old now, then, as, as I am now, which is really crazy, 40 years old. Whew. But anyway, uh, he laid there and he would beg for money every day. Uh, Peter and John saw him and they, uh, they looked at him and they said, look at us. And he expected that they were going to give him some money. He said, and Peter said, I have no gold, I have no silver, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And then he said, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And so uh, as a result of the Holy Spirit being upon John and Peter, uh, they were granted this ability, this, this gift to heal. And so they looked at this man, they just said, get up. What we have, we will give to you. And then he did. He got up. Peter took him by the hand. It says that his feet and his ankles were strengthened. He stood up. He began to jump. He began to leap. He began to praise God. And then he clung to them and he went inside the temple. And it says when all of the people saw this, they were amazed. They were astounded. And they gathered together. And then in verse 12, it says, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. The New Living Translation says this. It says, and when Peter saw the opportunity, he began to speak. In this time that we're in, um, man, people's hearts and their minds, and not just the believers, but all people, our hearts and our minds are all over the place. Like we talked about last week, when talking about this idea that Jesus uh, the, is our Lord and our shepherd, um, and we need that guidance, we need that provision, we need that protection, we need that love, people are clamoring for this. And so today, what I want us to think about is the fact that yes, we are in chaos, we are in pandemic, uh, but I truly believe that God has a plan for it. I truly believe that God has a desired outcome uh, that should be the result of all of this craziness that is going on. This is not downplaying the suffering. It is not downplaying the hardship. It is not downplaying the loss of jobs, the loss of life, or anything like that. In fact, I think it's honoring it to a degree to understand that in the midst of all of this, God, who is the best shepherd that we can imagine, desires to use it all. But here is what's required. We have to see the opportunity that rests in this moment. Peter, in this particular place, after giving what he had, and what he had was in the name of Jesus, offered healing to this man, he saw the opportunity when people gathered around for him to speak. Over the next several verses until we get to chapter four, basically Peter does this thing again that he did basically uh, at, at Pentecost. He gives this message, so to speak, but there's no illustrations, there's no jokes, there's no punchlines, there's none of those things, there's no graphics on the screen. It's just a history lesson. 
It's a history lesson to people who are mostly Jews. And he's like, look, this is who Jesus was. This is what happened to him at your hands. And so now repent, just repent. It says in verse 19, it says, repent, therefore, turn again or turn that your sins may be blotted out or forgiven or washed away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And so he saw this opportunity as a result of giving what he had to speak truth. Man, if we are paying attention, there is great opportunity that rests in this time. But I want us to continue. I want us to look at chapter four before we, we talk more about that. So he gives this, this idea about uh, who Jesus is, what his desire is for them, what they need to do. Then in chapter four, verse one, it says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people. Uh, whoops, I skipped a page, sorry. Teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. And so there were these, these guys who represented the religious establishment. Uh, it says, uh, the priest and the captain of the temple and of the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They saw it. They didn't like it because all of this threatened all of their power and all of their authority. So they arrested Peter and John. They arrested them. And it says, but as a result of all the things that Peter had just said, it said, uh, the number of men who came or, or confessed and repented who heard the word and believed was about 5,000. So right now, here's, here's where we stand. It went from about 120, standing, watching Jesus ascend, hearing the Great Commission, to Pentecost, adding about 3,000 men. That probably didn't even count men and women, uh, women and children. And then here, as a result of Peter speaking to those people who had heard about this 40-year-old cripple being healed because Peter gave what he had, uh, about 5,000 more men confess Jesus as Christ, Jesus as Lord, and they believe that day. And so a crazy amount of stuff happening. And then Peter and John, as a result of all of that, they were arrested. It says, on the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? We have, this, we have this unparalleled time of possibility because people are in chaos. They are in turmoil. They are begging, so to speak, for alms. They may not be asking for money. They may be asking for money, but they are asking questions like why and what for and how do we do this? And while we may not be gifted as individuals with the ability to heal those that are sick, that gift does exist. I don't believe that it's ended, but that's not for a majority of people. That's for some. Uh, we do have the ability to say the same thing that Peter said. Peter said, I do not have gold. I do not have silver, but what I do have, I will give you. We have an unparalleled time of possibility to give of what we have, to give of what we have. And, and what we have is, is limitless. I mean, it, just, it varies from person to person, but as Christ followers, we have so much in this time of great opportunity to give. 
we see Peter and John, they do it and they not only do they give of what they have, what they had was the ability to heal this man, allow him to walk, but also as a result of that, a great opportunity appeal appeared not for them just to give and to serve, but also to speak, also to speak. And it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there because they were arrested. And the, the question of the arresters or the question of those who arrested them, they said this, they said, uh, and when they had, uh, they had set them in the midst, they inquired, verse seven, by what power or by what name did you do this? Before we go to their response, I think we need to point out that uh, in this time of unparalleled possibility, um, we have one of two options when it's time to speak. Well, we, we probably have three. The first option is, is not the best. We can say nothing, okay? The second option is we can, we can say something generically nice, as to why we're serving, why we're doing what we're doing, uh, something like, well, I just saw a need and I thought I'd meet it, or good people do good things. Or three, we can do what we're about to see here. They inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, in verse eight, chapter four, verse eight, it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and of the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you. The Greek right there means all y'all, by the way, all y'all, you get that? He says, let it be known, that doesn't, I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to be funny. Anyway, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone, the one that you rejected or that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here is our third opportunity when we are asked, why are we doing what we're doing if we're seeing the opportunity to serve? Our third opportunity or our third option is this, man, speak truth, speak great eternally weighted truth. They said, by what means or by what power did you do this? And Peter said, oh, if you're asking in the midst of all of us, I want you all to hear, if you're asking uh, why was this man healed or how was this man healed, I wanna let you know it was through Jesus. It was through Jesus, this very same Jesus that died, this very same Jesus that God raised from the dead, and this very same Jesus that salvation rests in, this Jesus and this only Jesus. I think it's incredibly easy for us to find places to serve. I think it's incredibly easy for us to give those easy answers or not say a word. But in this time, in this place, in this opportunity, we need to be clear. We need to seize the opportunity to be clear and actually speak eternally weighted truth. That the reason we love people enough to serve, the reason we love people enough to give, the reason we love people enough to uh, maybe even take a risk on ourselves to take care of a need has to be through Jesus, because of Jesus, and for Jesus. We must be clear. We must be clear. The Bible's gonna use a, a different word for it here in just a second. It said, so if you're inquiring as to why we did all of this, understand uh, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by, what, by which we must be saved, just Jesus. Verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
See, not only is there unparalleled opportunity, but as a result of Jesus and only Jesus being made alive and real to us and the Holy Spirit being placed in us, now there's also unparalleled power that rests in the truth that can come out of our mouths. And that's amazing. To know that the power has been granted to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, the very same thing that the disciples waited upon, now we can speak with boldness. Boldness in Scripture is is this idea of spirit-led courage or spirit-induced courage. It said that it was, to, it was so, so odd, as a matter of fact, that these people looked on Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. They knew it wasn't because of the way that they spoke, but they just knew that these guys, they had not been to rabbinical school. They had not gone to higher education. They didn't have a four-year degree or a master's or a PhD, yet that when they spoke, they spoke with such conviction, such boldness, and such clarity that they looked at them and they were astonished. Because for all intensive and practical purposes, they should not have been able to use the words that were coming out of their mouth. They should not have had the confidence to speak to such men in the way that they did. But these highly religious people, they looked at them and they knew just by the way that they spoke that they were different. They had been with Jesus. They knew things that they should not know, but they did. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Man, the beauty, the beauty of all of this is uh, we may doubt our own ability to share truth. But here's here's the beautiful truth. As a result of Jesus being made alive and well and real to us and us trusting in him to make us right with God and the spirit of God being placed in us for the rest of time, And we are able to speak with boldness. We have been qualified by God Almighty to say things that we should not have been able to say, to speak in ways that we should not have been able to speak, to astonish people when they look at us and realize we've been with Jesus. See, the opportunity that rests is that, yes, We see a place and a time to serve, to intervene, to meet a need. And as a result of intervening and meeting a need, now we're presented with the opportunity to speak. But we just don't get to speak uh, just pointless drivel. We get to proclaim with boldness that it is just through Jesus and only Jesus that life may be found. And the reason that we serve, the reason that we reach, the reason that we meet the needs is because of Jesus. And through him, These people that we serve, these people that we love, these people that we want to hear, they can hear and be saved too. And boldness can be ours. Boldness can be ours. It says they looked at them and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uh, Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they arrested them and they wanted to find charge against them. But when they heard them speak and seeing the man that they had just served with what they had and what they had was healing, they were silenced. They couldn't say a word. They couldn't bring any charge against them. Verse 15 says, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. 
But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them or they ordered them not to speak or to teach anyone at all in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to give some clarification before I read the next verse. Um, Before I read this, I am not... um, I am not telling us to disbelieve uh, the authorities right now. I'm not telling us to go against our government. I'm not telling us uh, to commit anarchy. I'm not telling us to do any of those things. I'm not telling us to abandon common sense. I'm not saying that. But this, this is what is being said. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was, who, uh, whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. They basically looked at them. They're like, look, you're going to have to decide whether it's right for you to listen to, uh, to you, for us to listen to you or to listen to God. But we have to tell you. There's no way we are not going to talk about what we've seen and what we've heard. There's no chance. Man, the opportunity of this time, the craziness of this time, it demands that we speak. It demands that we use words that are bound to the truth of Jesus. It demands that we understand that what we say has eternal weight and significance. And if we have been with Jesus, two things are going to occur. When we speak, there shall be boldness attached. And when we understand that we have been Jesus, we will also understand that there is no way that we can remain silent about what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we've experienced through Jesus and only Jesus. Again, I'm not telling you to abandon all common sense. I'm not telling you to burn your masks and throw away your gloves. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to disbelieve what the news is telling you. But I am telling you that there's nowhere in Scripture that leads us to believe that when craziness comes down or when pandemic ensues, that we should lock ourselves away and shut our mouths. There's nowhere. As a matter of fact, I believe that Scripture would testify that in these times, we have amazing opportunity to share eternal truth. We have amazing opportunity to be the church, to be the hands of God, to be the feet of God, to serve people until it hurts, and that will present an opportunity for us to tell why. You say, well, what do you mean? I mean, open our eyes. Look around, listen, hear the cries of people and figure out what we can do to meet needs and understand that that opportunity to meet that need will lead to an opportunity for us to answer the question as to why. These men that arrested Peter and John, they just, they were like, hey, by what power, by what name did you do this? And Peter was like, oh, you mean Jesus? Oh yeah, Jesus. Jesus is why. Jesus is why, and Jesus is why, and only Jesus is why. Opportunity is huge. Opportunity is huge. Should we be doing it every day inside and outside a pandemic? Yes, but we would be naive to think that the fields are not incredibly ripe with the harvest right now because of conditions. God is not going to waste a pandemic, neither should we. Neither should we. So people of God, hear me. 
People of God, hear me now. Serve and speak. And don't speak lazy words. Speak truth. Speak real truth. Meet needs. And when people ask why, tell them why. They're big opportunity. Big opportunity. I think if we open our eyes and if we pay attention and understand that God is not willing to waste a pandemic, we should not be either. I think, A, uh, we will see a huge opportunity to serve, to give what we have. I love that phrase of Peter. He's like, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But I'll give you what I have. What do you have? What do I have that I can give? Maybe it's your elderly neighbor that doesn't want to leave their house and you can buy them groceries. You can go to the store for them. You can put on your mask. You can put on your gloves. I know where you can get a mask. Uh, if you know my wife, you'll think that's funny. But I know where you can get a mask. If you want to do that, go and buy them groceries. And guess what? Even in those groceries, you can come home. You can wash your hands. You can write a sterile note. You can put it in that bag and say, you know what? I love you because Jesus does. And you may think that's corny, but you can't imagine the kind of doors that it could open. Maybe you're an educator and a teacher, and you know that your friends and your family are struggling to educate their children at home. Maybe you just call and say, how can I help? How can I help? Doing it out of a love for Jesus because Jesus loved them and then you get to tell them why. Maybe, uh, and man, and I, and I say these things because I've seen them happen in our church right now and I'm so pleased and I'm so proud. Maybe it's your job hasn't gone away. You're working just fine, but you know other families that are not. We've had several families contact us in leadership and say, look, my job is going just fine right now, but I know that there are probably others in our church that are not. Uh, let them know if they need, then we have. Man, that's huge. Maybe even look around your neighborhood and notice that some people just can't go out. Maybe, you, maybe even ask them. Maybe say, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you? But then when they say yes and we get to help them and they ask why, tell them. <laughs> just tell them. Opportunity to serve leads to opportunity for the next thing, the opportunity to speak. Opportunity to speak. By what authority and whose name do you do this? Now these people, they, were, they, they wanted to arrest Peter and John, but I think to a world that doesn't know Jesus, I think to a world that doesn't understand sacrificial generosity, I think to a world that doesn't understand how we might do something outside of our comfort zone for someone else, it's just going to, to appear peculiar or odd. And in that situation, we get to address the peculiarity of it all. Why do we serve? Why do we help? Why do we give money to people that we barely know? Why do we buy groceries for someone who would otherwise be a stranger? Why do we help you teach your children? Why do we offer you a job? Whatever it may be, if you have, what do you have that you can give? I may not have silver, I may not have gold, but I'll give you what I have. What do we have? And then when asked why, what do we say? Option A again is to be silent. Wrong choice. Option B is to just use kind of generic, plain words. Not a very good choice either, but option C. By what power, by what name did you do this? Oh, you mean Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. I did it because of Jesus. Man, we've, as the church, we've had decades in which the world does not trust us. And we earned that, to be honest, because we were far more known about what we were against than what we were for. 
today, in this time, we can let people know that we're for them. We're for them because Jesus is for them. Serving leads to the opportunity of speaking and we need to speak truth. Man, 1 Peter is such a beautiful passage. 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your heart, always honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense or to give a reason to anyone ask you for the reason of your hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. It says here, man... To a degree, you have to put your fears aside and always be prepared to give a reason for your hope. To give a reason for your hope. In this case, when people ask why, we can say, oh, you mean Jesus? Yeah. And we can expound on that. We just don't have to keep saying Jesus over and over, but we can say my hope, yeah, it rests in him and only him. Why am I not scared in this pandemic? Yeah, I'm concerned like the rest of you, but eternally I'm really not that afraid. Why? Jesus. This is what he's done for me. And I believe he can do it for you. Speak. If we have been with Jesus, uh, we are qualified. The spirit of the, of the holy God lives in us and that power rests in us. It's like dynamite, according to scripture. And it's huge. So after all of that, after being on trial and after being released, we find in chapter 4, verse 23, it says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. I like to think that they were laughing. I like to think they were like, hey, you know what? They told us we can't talk about Jesus. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and whatever your plan had predestined to take place. Verse 29, this is huge. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I think what these two things should drive us to do, seeing opportunity to serve, seeing opportunity to speak, I think it should drive us back to praying for more and more boldness. That spirit-induced courage that is a result of the Holy Spirit being in us and us having been with Jesus. Pray for more boldness. And guess what? Uh, we, we see opportunities to serve. We see opportunities to speak. It drives us to pray for boldness. Guess what happens next? We serve again. We speak again. We do it with boldness. We seek more boldness to serve, to speak, to seek more boldness, to serve, to speak. The opportunity is unprecedented to a degree, at least in our generation, because people are afraid. 
Not only are they afraid, but they're in true need. What do we have? What can we do? And then what are we going to say about it? I was thinking this week would be a good time to have a nice chipper uplifting message, but I think this here, this is the uplifting message. And God can work in the midst of chaos. He can draw men and women to himself. But his plan A for doing that is by the blood of Jesus through his people. In order for that to happen, we need to open our eyes, see the opportunity to meet need, to speak with boldness and truth, and to see people come to Jesus. What do you have? What do I have? And what am I willing to give? Man, this week, I would encourage you to do this. Pray for boldness first. Maybe start at the end of this cycle. Go ahead, pray for boldness. Say, God, uh, you know what's going on. You know the circumstance, you know the situation, and you know where people are. Give me boldness to speak truth. And then ask for God to provide opportunity for us to meet needs, to serve. And when asked why, or maybe even before we're asked why, tell why. Tell why. I love, I keep going back to that question, by what power or by what name did you do this? Let it be known to all y'all, all of you and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone or the foundation, and there is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man, we get to speak of Jesus with boldness as qualified people because we've been with him. Look for opportunities this week. Think outside the box. I'm not telling you to abandon care, but I'm telling you that just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean that the mission stops. Just because there's chaos doesn't mean that we need to lock ourselves inside and be quiet. People need Jesus. It is reality. People need help. It is reality. See the possibility. And then ask, what do I have that I can give and what can I say in response? God, we love you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us. Uh, we, God, we thank you for the spirit that rests in us as a result of Jesus and what he's done as the seal of our salvation, as the guide that we have to walk through our life, as the convicting agent of our sin, but also the power to be bold, the power to speak truth, the power to serve, the power to love, the power to overcome sin. Thank you, God, for your spirit that rests in the life of believers. God, I pray that we trust in that this week. I pray that we trust in it for the rest of our lives, but this week, moving forward, God, in the midst of chaos, I pray that your people, the people of God, would see opportunity to serve, to love, would see opportunity to speak truth with boldness, and that, God, we would be resting and relying in you for our strength and our power. Thank you, God, for leading. Thank you, God, for moving. Thank you for being a God who does not intend to waste chaos, but intends to draw men and women to himself. Thank you for letting us play a part. God, we love you. 
And it's in Jesus' perfect name that we pray. Amen.